Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 25 of the K Podcast. We got a very special guest here today. My friend Maddie's joining us. How you doing today, Maddie? Hi, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> We're doing well. Um, like we said, I know on a previous episode, I mentioned briefly the story with my friend and his girlfriend downtown about what I alleged as potential hu- uh, human trafficking or they were trying to, you know, get her for a score and everything. So you and I got to talking because you're more or less going to school to study human trafficking, correct? Yes. And um, so we talked about you just coming on and maybe shedding some insight. You know, I want to know what you've learned, maybe some advice you can give to people out there who may not be as aware, Um, you know, just get it on the table, you know. So if you could just give us a brief little introduction for yourself and what you've been doing with school and just your background. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Madeline, you can call me Maddie, um, and I've been at UCF for a really long time. Um, going as on long my- as I've known you. <laughs> yeah, I am starting my um, my ninth, or I'm in the middle of my ninth year at UCF. Sorry, I just kind of like had a brain fart there. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, but I got my um, bachelor's in criminal justice. Um, kind of realized I didn't want to become a cop or a lawyer, so mm. I just went back to school, um, but instead of criminal justice, I switched to sociology, uh, mainly because a lot of my electives were sociology courses, and it was always something I was fascinated in, so that's what I did, um, and in my very first course as a graduate student, um, I had a human trafficking course, mm-hmm. and that is kind of like what pivoted um, my research interest into studying kind of like anything in regards to human trafficking. Um, and fast forward, you know, five years later, um, I'm still doing that kind of work. Um, I actually just published my first um, article on human trafficking. In oh, wow. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, you definitely anyone- have to give me a link or something so we can plug that and people can check that out. Yes, absolutely. Um, anyone who knows the academic publishing process, it's a really big deal when you get like mm-hmm. your first first authored publication. So yeah, for sure. Super stoked about Congratulations that. on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but kind of what I'm really interested in regards to human trafficking is kind of like where it is. Um, And I know that's a very simple question, um, but we don't have a lot of very concrete answers Mm -hmm. um, in research, which is very surprising, but it's really mainly because this has really only become an official crime in the US about 20 years ago. So research is still pretty new on this topic. um, And I'm sure we'll probably get into like more specifically a little bit later. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, third year PhD student. I also study other 
types of violence, so intimate partner violence, um, or um, I'm really interested in like vulnerable population groups. So sexual minority is kind of like poor health outcomes um, when it comes to being a sexual minority or mm -hmm. a minority in general. Um, so I feel like my research is kind of all over the place, but. No, yeah, that's, you know, that's more knowledge for us, right? <laughs> Um, okay. So yeah, I was going to ask you kind of how you got interested in all this, but it sounds like it kind of stemmed from that first class of your first year of your master's. Yeah. And, um, my dad was a New York city police officer. So okay. I grew up with, a you know, hearing crime stories or, you know, watching like crime documentaries. So, um, I was always pretty interested in it. Um, but I never knew that you can actually have a career in researching crime. Um, I didn't so, either. It's <laughs> a whole new world out there. Um, so when I realized that while, while I was a grad student, um, yeah, it really did kind of change, I guess, what I thought I wanted to do. And now I'm here as, as a researcher and, and I like it, you know, because not a lot of people like research, but you yeah. Know, then there's me because um, I find it very fascinating because there's a lot of things that, you know, we watch on the media, um, you know, and that's where we get sometimes information about crime and what crime victims look like and what mm. offenders might look like. But what you see on the media isn't always representing what the yeah. statistics is. You yeah, know, 100%. A little whitewashed. Yes, yes. Um, and especially when it comes to depictions of human trafficking, um, you know, a lot of people sometimes when they're not super familiar with this work, you know, they don't even realize how prevalent it is in our own country, you know, exactly. in our own state, you know, exactly. there are a lot of cases where the victims are U.S. citizens. It's not always the foreign-born woman who came here and was mm. promised a job and then, you know, eventually kind of went down this path, you know, unwillingly because she was, you know, told something mm. that wasn't actually the part of the deal, you know. Um, so there are a lot of domestic cases, um, and especially living in the state of Florida, um, you know, it's not very known for, you know, the general audience that the state of Florida is consistently the third state, the third highest ranking state in the nation for human trafficking activity. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, obviously, we have Miami, a huge international city. I mean, Orlando is a pretty international giant melting pot as well uh, we got i drive and everything over there now i was gonna ask so were you focusing primarily on orlando in your studies or you were kind of just a broad spectrum of everything that's going on in the world or the country yeah good question um so so far in my research um i've really only primarily been focusing on the state of florida so okay the entire state um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> and is, am I right in assuming a lot of that activity is probably in Miami or South Florida area? That's definitely, um, a big hotspot for yeah. human trafficking activity. Um, other big cities for it, um, Tampa, Orlando, yeah. um, and Jacksonville. So those are kind of like True. four like main areas. You'll see some human trafficking activity, 
Um, and, you know, in one of my classes, I've also mapped out some potential areas of where it is. And you can kind of see it really happens and congregates in urban areas, at least from like what we see so far um, or what we can identify really. True. And um, I don't know how extensive your research into all the, you know, minute details and everything you were getting, but do you know like how these people are arriving here? Is it mainly, I mean, are they being smuggled in? Is it by ship, by plane, just regular tourists that, like you said, maybe get caught up in an extremely unfortunate situation? You know, I don't, I don't know jack shit. So that's, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I wanted you here to, you know, kind of educate me a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, and kind of what I was talking about earlier, there's a lot of like different assumptions when it comes to like what the typical, um, you know, quote unquote, typical human trafficking victim may look like. Mm -hmm. And well, certainly there are, you know, a good percentage of cases where it is someone from a different country um, who may have um, financial struggles or they have some sort of you know, pressure to earn more money for their family for whatever reason that is. And um, sometimes they'll find like ads online so it's like craigslist stuff or yeah, something random like that yeah and traffickers get really really smart with the ways that they try to recruit more people mm. and um traffickers also have like ads posted on sites that are specific to that country so gotcha. you know maybe, you know, China doesn't have like all these social media apps. Well, they do, but they have different social media apps than we do. And you'll find sometimes that ads are on their specific, you know, like targeted ads, basically. Yes. They know who they're got you. Okay. Exactly. And they'll have it in their language. Um, and so they'll have postings of a job. It can either be like a massage parlor, you know, a lot of cash. They're promising this job that then the person responds to, they come here to America with this, you know, thought, oh, cool, like I have this job. They might go through the whole process of like getting their work visa, then they get here and then they realize that it's not what they expected. Yeah. And sometimes it may be that they are at first doing the job that they thought, but then later on or potentially immediately, um, the person that brought them there makes it very clear that you owe them a good amount of money for the work that they did to get you here. And kind of like you owe me. Exactly. Damn. And um, so sometimes that happens with like foreign um, born individuals that come here and then unfortunately get into this, um, you know, type of illicit business, mm -hmm. but it happens domestically here too. So, you know, there are people who are born here um, and one of the riskiest population groups, unfortunately, to kind of get sucked into this lifestyle are runaways. So a mm -hmm. lot of times traffickers will target those who are young um, children. Like teenage girls or something who maybe had trouble at home and just ran away or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the most common age of people entering the human trafficking um, industry is 12 to 14. So, um, yeah, and so young. It, yeah, that's fucked up. You know, 
Um, but yeah, so runaways are a really big target for traffickers, um, especially within like the LGBTQ community, um, because those are the kind of population groups that are most vulnerable, right? Like immigrants, young people, um, you know, minorities, where they may not feel like you know, they have anyone to help them, you know, if they are homeless for, you know, whatever reason, because their parents kicked them out because they came out to them, or, you know, whatever the reason that is that they decided to run away from home, these people are vulnerable and, tra and traffickers can pick up on that and they read that vulnerability and they may be your friend for a little bit, maybe they'll like pretend to be your boyfriend for a couple of weeks, but yeah, um, yeah, it's that's psychological kind of manipulation. Oh, yes, absolutely. True. Yeah. No, I mean, that all makes sense what you're saying. Um, and I was thinking too, you know, I was thinking of questions to ask you and everything. And when I think human trafficking, the first thing that popped in my head is that movie taken, Taken, yeah. you know, as I'm sure with a lot of people. Um, so that one for if anyone out there who's been living under a rock, this American <laughs> girl goes to, I don't, it's a European country. I don't remember exactly where they go, but yeah remember exactly. somewhere in like eastern europe or something and then she gets kidnapped and enters that world of human trafficking um so it's i mean i remember when that movie first came out and everyone was kind of like you know it was already in existence obviously but i guess people just it wasn't uh being talked about as much maybe so i remember that was kind of a, a culturally shocking thing and then that was i don't know that was maybe 2010 or something like that so 10 years later, um, I mean, it's still just as shocking, but I guess just to think that it's also happening here, I mean, has been happening here the whole time mm -hmm. is really fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. And um, so kind of another line of research that I'm, I'm working on, like in regards to human trafficking. So as I was like reading articles one day on um, this topic, I realized that there's like a public website where people who go into um, massage parlors mm. get, you know, some sort of sexual service um, and then they kind of document their experience. Um, almost like a, like, like a Reddit blog or something? Like, honestly, like a Yelp for illicit massage parlors. Wow. <laughs> Yes. And so what I did is I, I gathered all the information um, that I could on the illicit massage parlors that were on this website that people went to and reviewed about it. Um, and I found that there were over 1,200 illicit massage parlors in the state of Florida. Damn. Yeah. And which is only ones that we know of that. Yeah. Documented. Well, as yeah. soon as as soon as you said that, because I mean, you're from Orlando, I'm just thinking colonial, there's like, mm -hmm. every 500 feet, I'm like, that's not, you know, that's a front, that's fucking sketchy. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. what I mean, Oh, yeah. Like when you yeah. see an illicit massage parlor, like, you know, it. Yeah. And you're like, there's something going down there that, you know, is not just a massage. Yeah. You know? If you see a massage parlor open at like 11 at night, you know, yeah. Like yeah. There's <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't go in there if you're under 18. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't go in there at all, really. But yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> the reason why I mentioned that, though, is not a lot of people also know that, um, 
for human trafficking victims, um, one of the most common locations that they are found in are illicit massage parlors. So, um, you know, that's why I've been kind of interested in that line of research, because if we know that some of these people that are in these businesses are actually human trafficking victims and they didn't decide this on their own to be in that illicit massage parlor, giving you a sexual service. Yeah. Um, you know, that is an avenue to look at kind of patterns of where they are, um, which there isn't a lot of research on there right now um, of just where are these illicit massage parlors? You know, like, what are they connected to? Like, is it multiple people running multiple massage parlors? You know, like, there's not a lot of information on there, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and then there was that whole big case. What was that last year with all those higher up Robert Kraft and all those dudes? Um, what was that in New York? I think um, somewhere I, up, I believe somewhere yeah. up there, right? We so, a massage parlor here actually in Florida. It was in like, Florida. I think it was down South, unless we're talking about two different um, stories, but there was one really big one where um I actually don't know the guy's name because I mean, I'm not into sports and like he owns a team or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's, that's who I'm talking about. Robert Kraft. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you would probably know more than me, honestly, <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't know that was in Florida though. For some reason I, I thought it was in like New York city or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure. New York has a bunch of them too, though. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, but it, it's just very interesting, though, because um, my uncle, he's he works in the court system in New York. And one day mm -hmm. I did pose the question to him, you know, like, so, you know, what about human trafficking cases? You know, like what what happens here in New York with these types of cases? You know, like, do you care about them? Like, do you guys like actively look for human trafficking activity? Um, and unfortunately, you know, law enforcement should be where, you know, like they can identify victims or help victims. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, you know, unfortunately, the criminal justice system doesn't really seem to actively want to identify victims or handle these types of cases, which is probably like the hardest part um, aside of identifying victims, but working with the criminal justice system. So, yeah. Well, wasn't separate conversation <laughs> yeah no no that's fine um you just got me thinking because wasn't up until like the the 40s or 50s or something maybe 30s or i don't know um i'm bad with history but wasn't like prostitution and stuff used to be legal in new york city i believe right back in the day like the early 1900s yeah i don't want to like miss say anything so that doesn't sound yeah. This is all opinion. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think so. I think that sounds I'm, correct. If but, I'm not mistaken, I mean, and granted, prostitution and human trafficking are two different yeah. things entirely. Um, same ballpark, but, you know, not really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just got me thinking about that because I was just thinking, imagine, you know, 70, 80, 90 years ago or whatever, how much is of a different world it was. But anyway, we're getting off. We're getting off topic. <laughs> uh, reel it back in. So you've been going to school. You were writing your thesis on human trafficking, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, how's that been going? <laughs> yeah, so it's 
So that's actually um, the paper that I recently got published. So it was from. Okay. So that was the same one. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was the same one. Um, and um, I was looking at human trafficking arrests. So I have data or I had data on um, human trafficking arrests mm -hmm. um, for each Florida County. And I was just really trying to see like what types of characteristics are associated to areas that have higher human trafficking arrests. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, um, you know, the methodology, um, it's not, um, I can't take it with confidence yet because my sample size was small. And I think there's just a lot of research that needs to be done still. Um, but as, what I essentially found was that human trafficking arrests were associated to areas that actually um, had less economic disadvantage. So there's a kind of common assumption that more human trafficking would be in areas where um, you might see more poverty. Um, mm -hmm. well, there's more people probably. Yeah, yeah. We actually found kind of the opposite. So like more human trafficking arrests were in areas where it was a little bit more affluent. So, hmm. uh, you know, possibly because I mean, for human trafficking activity to thrive, you need people. A bunch of rich, creepy old fucks. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that, I mean, when, when you lay it out like that, it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I think that's what it is with human trafficking and trying to understand it. It's not like these are groundbreaking discoveries you know, like if you really dig deep, like you can like kind of put the pieces together. But I think the sad part is that it's not a hot topic that people discuss. And we're also yeah. discussing, you know, a vulnerable population group that are victims, but some people may not see them as victims. Um, and that's really just speaking to kind of the larger narrative that we think of when we think about human trafficking. Yeah, no, and that's why I, I really do appreciate you coming on, uh, because I know, you know, you're well spoken, you're obviously, you know what you're talking about, you're knowledgeable. And like you said, I mean, this is kind of a awkward, uncomfortable subject that I'm sure not a lot of people want to talk about. So my hopes was that, you know, we get someone who knows what they're talking about, knows how to speak to people, maybe people can kind of soak up some of the knowledge and hopefully, you know, use it to better not just their lives but everybody's lives because yeah this yeah this shit is fucking creepy man yeah but, um hang on one second i know i had some questions for you um well first off i mean it sounds like you know it sounds like you're breaking a lot of ground with this research that you're doing I mean, not to like toot your horn or anything like that, but it sounds like you're kind of pioneering a new, almost like a new department of psychology or sociology, or um, it sounds like you haven't had much help. You haven't had much uh, people coming before you to, you know, help pave the way you've kind of had to figure it out on your own. So, I mean, that alone is very commendable. So. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, can you speak to that at all? Like how, how have you been able to kind of persevere and just keep going, even though you might be coming up at dead ends and, you know, things like that? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, and thank you for that too. Um, you know, mainly because I feel like sometimes I feel like extreme imposter syndrome, even when you ask me, oh, can you talk about human trafficking as someone who's researched it for years? I'm still like, do I know enough? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <to laughs> can you ever know enough? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this is definitely a pretty new area of literature. And I think for me, that's the most exciting part because there is so much that needs to be done. Um, and I think what really drives me as well is the fact that there aren't a lot of people advocating for these victims. Exactly. And there are so many victims out there. And, you know, people can't even imagine the level of trauma, you know, that these victims experience. And, you know, once they become survivors and are free from that, you know, type of extreme traumatic victimization experience, you know, they, they have to live with that. And, and I feel like that's what drives me is the fact that there's not as many people that I think should be focused on this conversation and this topic that I don't know, maybe I feel like I need to, you know, and I think that's kind of what drives me just because the work needs to be done. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a fresh field, you know, there's so much that you could do. Um, and as a researcher, I feel like if you find some type of topic that has, you know, almost like an open door of just endless possibilities, you know, it's like the most exciting thing, um, you know, and mainly too, to, to be able to be a person to actually educate those on this topic. And um, yeah, and I I think I'm, I'm always like a helper and a healer. So this is kind of like a natural <laughs> place that I natural land. Natural chain of course for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost feel like I'm talking to my therapist right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, hey, that's what we're here for, you know. I wanted... Um, like I said, to reiterate, I mean, I appreciate you coming to share the knowledge, but I also want to provide for you, for anybody else who wants to come on um, a platform to talk about things that may be uncomfortable, maybe a lot of other people don't have a lot of knowledge on. Um, so like I said, you know, you're always welcome here. And if you get any, you know, you get any groundbreaking updates in the next, you know, year, two years, whatever, you can always come back on and share some updates with us. Um. But let me see. I know I had some other questions here for you. I guess, do you have from your studies and what you've seen, different case studies and things like that, is there anything that you could maybe recommend to, I mean, women, but not just women, just people in general out there to kind of keep an eye out for these things, how to stay safe, any red flags to look for, things like that? Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, that's, I feel like I should have prepared for this type of question. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because I, I feel like there a lot of victims are so young. So sometimes it's like hard, you know, but I think seeing the warning signs and, and being comfortable enough to at least say something to someone um, is a really, really 
you know, big first step. Um, knowing that there is a national human trafficking hotline that you can call if you do see anything kind of suspicious. Oh, is, I wasn't aware of that. You need yes, to give me that too. I'll put that in the little yes, summary yes, thing. Yes, I definitely will. Because um, the national human trafficking hotline um, is like the main place where we, like as researchers or like practitioners find out pretty much most information about human trafficking activity. Um, but if I had to like kind of say anything, like any pointers, um, is like if you potentially um, know of situations where, um, I don't know, I guess I, guess I don't want to like overstep because I don't want to be like, oh yeah, like watch out for this. And it's actually just your neighbor not doing anything suspicious, but. Yeah, that's true. Well, I um, guess like I mainly ask because um in the story that i had said with my friends and everything i mean luckily a i wasn't drunk so i was observant and i was aware of what was going on around me and b not luckily for us but ironically i guess these dudes just happened to be the very stereotypical eastern european like they look like they were from the fucking movie taken that's why i was kind of like you know on high alert or whatever um yeah. And I, and I think that's, I, and I guess to my point is, you know, do like what you think is like really best, you know, like as especially a male, like watch out for your female friends. Yeah. Don't let your friends go walking go off with anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if you are, unfortunately, you know, like if you are a female, like you're small, you're young, um, you know, you have to be more careful if you are out alone. Um, and as a friend of someone who is small, young girl, you know, like you need to kind of like watch out for them too. But mm -hmm. um, just really recognizing when you're out in public as well, you know, like there, because there is human trafficking activity here in Orlando, you know, like going to the grocery store as a woman by yourself at night sometimes could pose a problem and you could pose as like a target for someone who is looking for a vulnerable person um, to get your attention. And, you know, like if someone's coming up to talk to you that you don't know that you're getting just bad vibes from walk away, you yeah. know, like, that's, you get know, the fuck out of there. Literally, you know, but um, <laughs> also just recognizing that, a trafficker most often is going to go through some sort of grooming process. And again, this is not like a, a sign that like I can see, you know, immediately, but mm -hmm. um, sometimes this process is like a longer process than like you would think, you know, so they like vet these people. They do. They really do. That's um, pretty creepy. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I didn't really give any <laughs> specific like identifiers, but no, that's fine. I think that um, just knowing a little bit more about it, um, you know, I think makes people at least more willing to be aware for the signs, you know, and I think that's kind of like our main goal, right, for like the general public, you know, everyone to actually just be acutely aware mm -hmm. that human trafficking exists. And if you see something that doesn't feel right, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, you know, even if it's something that you don't think is weird, but maybe it will be, you never know. You might not know that your call is the one call that the police were waiting for, mm -hmm. you know, especially when it comes to like, if it's like a house or something or like a specific location that you know, like sometimes all 
um, you know, an investigation needs to get started is that first phone call of just like, hey, I think something may be happening there, but I'm not sure. Um, but that starts it, you know, so. No, yeah, definitely. We're going to include that hotline number in the summary under the video. Um, and I guess kind of to your point, I mean, that's that's why I was so just alarmed and freaked out when I saw that shit years and years ago downtown, because like we're saying, you know, you see it in the movies and stuff, but it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I know. Um, but it was. Yeah. Rook says hi. <laughs> um it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. You don't really, it's not a part of your reality. So when I saw it right in front of my face, I was like, what the fuck? Like that was definitely what that was, you know, mm -hmm. just by everything that transpired, you know, I was, yeah. Anyway, fucking scary. Um, another question I wanted to ask you was, I think it's safe to assume that majority of the victims of human trafficking are female. Are there, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be male victims somewhere too, right? Just yeah. not as prevalent maybe? Yeah, there are definitely male victims of human trafficking as well. Um, but that's actually um, a good point that you make because human trafficking actually is not just a term synonymous with sex trafficking because there are other types of human trafficking, um, such as labor trafficking. I was going to say, there's like child labor and other illegal yeah. shit like that. Child labor or just labor trafficking in general. Um, and that's actually was kind of part of like one of the first human trafficking cases like ever really acknowledged was a labor trafficking case um, actually here in Florida. Um, <laughs> Damn Florida. Florida is wild. People wonder about that Florida man joke and all that shit. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, Florida is you know why. else. Yeah. But um, when it comes to labor trafficking, um, from what is known so far, which isn't a lot, um, there are a lot more male victims of labor trafficking and there are like kind of more female victims of sex trafficking, again, that we know of. Um, okay. But now when you say labor trafficking, I mean, I'm thinking like immigration. Yeah. So um, also kind of the word trafficking sometimes is a little bit like a little misleading. misleading. Yeah. Um, you don't actually have to like if I don't you know, like if, if I don't know, I don't want to say I was trafficked. But if, for example, if someone was trafficked. And, I hope not. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Like if, if someone was um, unfortunately trafficked, they don't have to be like moved to a different state or a different location for that to be trafficking, um, which is like. I don't know why that's kind of like a common misconception, but um, more so just like forcing, forcing someone to do something against their will, more or less. Exactly. And yeah. Usually okay. including a business, business sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so and like the legal definition, force, fraud, and coercion are kind of the three elements that you have to prove. Um, in order to constitute it as sex trafficking or human trafficking. Um, but when it comes to labor trafficking, a lot of that is really stemming from, um, you know, maybe similar to immigration, but maybe not really, because, you know, some, in some situations it could be that, you know, you're forcing someone to work 
all day and you don't pay them what you should pay them. You pay them like very, very small amounts um, that they can't possibly live on, but they may live with you or like they may um, kind of stay there and they have a debt to you um, for some reason. Um, so yeah, so maybe kind of like similar to sex trafficking, just not the sex. Fair. Um, and now, I mean, to take it way, way back now, slavery that is basically labor trafficking but with zero pay yeah right? yeah and I, and I don't even know if I'd um maybe even say like slavery is an example um of labor trafficking um but some people do say that like human trafficking is like the modern day slavery or I don't know I've heard some experts say that <laughs> Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously, slavery is the most dehumanizing thing you could do on the, you know, on the face of the planet. And I don't I don't mean to compare the two. I'm just trying to, like, make sure I have a full understanding because sex trafficking I get. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to understand, make sure that I fully understand the human trafficking or the, the labor trafficking part. Mm -hmm. um, do you I mean, are there any like specific case studies you can think of that were more so related to labor trafficking versus the sex trafficking stuff? Yeah, so there is um, um, a, a big case in Immokalee, Florida um, on the tomato fields where they mm. had um, a bunch of foreign born people working on the tomato fields, um, but they were getting paid like dollars a day for, you know, 16 plus hours of work um and so kind of like but with, with that like that's just breaking all types of working condition law yeah. um but they just had no protection legal protection um at all so i i don't know am i making sense is that does that make sense not <laughs> yeah i'm getting a better idea um so i mean arguably the groups of people that are like hanging outside of home Depot or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. regardless of how they're here, that could be technically considered, um, labor trap. Rook, are you fucking nuts? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying and I don't get it at the same time. Yeah. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I mean, I am. An no, idiot you're sometimes. Totally <laughs> I'm honestly also like, I don't really study labor trafficking. So I guess I don't have like a, a really good example, like the front of my head. I'm like, what is a good example? You know? You're, uh, so your studies are more so on the sex trafficking side. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. So we'll stick to what you know. <laughs> Make it easier on both of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about, you know, now that you got your paper published, what's you got a, another paper you're working on? Like what's what's the next couple steps for you? Yeah, I mean, the next steps really is just to continue research continue and research. Yeah, <laughs> keep grinding, um, you know, especially once I finish my PhD, um, I think, you know, when I'm finally kind of like in my position, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, human trafficking will be like one of my primary research areas because there's so much you can do, you know, you can look at it from, you know, obviously like it's, you know, the crime aspect of it, like where it is in regards to that crime. Um, but also, you know, there's a whole avenue of like approaches to think about decreasing 
sex trafficking. And that deals with demand reduction strategies. And basically what that means is, you know, instead of like, you know, looking at the victims or the offenders um, who are like the pimps of, you know, the victims, you know, look at the sex buyers. You know, if there weren't people willing to have sex with young girls or just women in general to continue on this like you know commercial sex activity there mm-hmm. would be no commercial sex activity to even yeah discuss. without the demand you don't need a supply exactly exactly and the, so, yeah the fact that the demand's even there is fucking disgusting but yeah and, anyway. and you'd, be, you'd be surprised at you know and I, a part of me, like if I'm giving my own opinion, that's kind of one of the main reasons why we still see human trafficking thriving today and just growing more and more because there are really no repercussions for those who are keeping up this demand, who are the sex buyers. Sex well, look buyers- at Robert Kraft and everyone we mentioned earlier. I'm pretty sure none of them went to jail or anything. But it also, sadly, goes back to what we said earlier. If you're fucking rich enough, if you know what I mean, it's like, it seems like you do whatever the fuck you want and mm-hmm. nobody gives a shit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have like another theory, which, you know, hopefully no one who is going to employ me in the future sees this or like, hopefully I'm not employed by the government or something, but um, you know, don't incriminate yourself. Right. right. (laughs) But you know, I think a part of me is, you know, perhaps there isn't a lot of push to see how human trafficking networks really work because people are kind of scared to see some people they may not want to see being really big actors in this illicit business. And, you know, I obviously don't know who that is or, you know, what that may look like, but I can suspect there's a lot of people with a lot of money. um, Oh yeah. That are involved that. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I don't think you're wrong about that at all. Yeah. I mean, all of that, um, what was that, two or three years ago when all the Me Too stuff was coming out, everyone was so shocked at all these famous people. It's like, dude, they're just rich as fuck, and they've been able to pay everyone to be silent for so long. I mean, I'll use Kevin Spacey as a perfect example. Like, for, He's always weirded me the fuck out. Ever since I was a kid, anytime I'd see him in a movie or whatever, I was just like, I don't like this guy. Like, He's weird. Even if his acting's good in this particular movie, whatever, like the vibe I get from him is fuck out of here. And then all that shit comes out. It's like, bro, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't want to say I knew it, but I kind of fucking knew it. Um, but yeah, man, fucking A. But that was, uh, I mean, that was really all I had for you, Maddie. Did you want to share anything else? Did you have any, um, any questions? I don't know what questions you would have for me, but (laughs) (laughs) no, this was, this is awesome. Um, I'll definitely give you the information of the national human trafficking hotline, um, and any other resource that I know of um, your paper. Yes. My paper. um, It'll just be like a link or what? Um, so I can send you a PDF document. Um, well, the, I mean, I just uh, want to make sure that other people will be able to easily access it as well. 
Yeah, I'll probably have to still send you the PDF document only because um, some journals, like academic journals, aren't like accessible to the it's public. Like subscription based yeah, or something. Unless like you're a student at an institution or like the place you work at gives you access to that journal. And I'm not going to like ask anyone who wants to read it to pay money. So I'll gotcha. give you the PDF and, and anyone can access it at any time. Okay. Yeah, that works. That works too, whatever you're comfortable with. But yeah, I appreciate you being here. Um, what's yeah, this was episode what 25? You're here for the quarter century episode. Look at that. <laughs> Monumental. <laughs> but yeah, once again, I appreciate you coming. I don't know if you've been listening to the the show much, but the we got a little sign off for every episode. Stay safe, stay smart, stay sexy, and stay fucking tuned. but yeah i'm gonna cut this recording right now much love maddie we'll talk to you soon stay safe out there the cave podcast you don't have to go home, you just can't stay here, alright?